and welcome to PCTY Talks. I'm your host, Sherry Simpson. During our time together, we'll stay close to the news and info you need to succeed as an HR pro. And together, we'll explore topics around HR thought leadership, compliance, and real life HR situations we face every day. On today's bonus episode, I have Corinne Tyrone back with me, our Director of Government Relations, to talk all things vaccines again. So Corinne, thanks for joining me. Happy to be here. So President Biden recently put out some um, interesting information surrounding federal workplace vaccine mandates. So I was hoping we could start with a little bit of background as to what that directive is and um, when the president did it. Yeah, absolutely. So um, as I think, you know, many are aware at this point, uh, President Biden released, you know, some information regarding his path out of the pandemic plan. So, um, you know, that pleases me with the alliteration right there, but that was announced last week, so September 9th, um, and it was a six-pronged kind of action plan just to help us continue to combat the pandemic and, you know, hopefully kind of start to see the tail end of, um, of dealing with this thing. So, uh, one of the things that's really interesting in this is the the federal vaccine mandate. So as everyone is aware, um, in that plan, he directed OSHA to create an emergency temporary standard. And that directive is asking OSHA to create the standard that requires employers of 100 or more employees to ensure that their workers are either fully vaccinated or that they show weekly, at least weekly, negative COVID test results. Additionally, those covered employers are um, going to be required to provide PTO to receive or recover from that vaccine. You know, it's interesting. I hadn't heard of this emergency temporary standard before. For those who are in the same boat as me, what exactly is that and how does that work? Yeah, you're in really good company there, actually. Um, they're they're rare. Um, so an ETS is is a rare kind of mechanism that OSHA can use. Um, the last time that there actually was one in June. So we did see one recently. And the purpose of that uh, June ETS was to help protect healthcare workers from the pandemic. But prior to that, there has not been an ETS issued by OSHA in almost 40 years. The last one was in 1983. Um, so an emergency temporary standard is exactly what it sounds like. It's a short-term regulation that's issued under emergency circumstances. Specifically, OSHA has to determine that workers are in grave danger and that the rule is necessary to protect them from that danger. And that language regarding, you know, what may constitute a grave danger is pretty broad. Um, but in addition to, you know, defining what that danger is, OSHA is going to have to provide some substantiation regarding why these measures are necessary to protect workers. And um, one thing that's kind of interesting about an ETS is that the process is a little bit different. Given the fact that it's, you know, emergent during an emergency situation, um, it doesn't go through the same process that a normal regulation would. So typically with these types of regulations, there's um, publication of the, the draft to the Federal Register, and then there's a period of time that the public has to um, comment on that and provide their feedback to the agency before a regulation becomes finalized. This does not go through that process. So what's going to happen here is um, once that rule is published to the Federal Register, it will become effective, you know, more or less immediately, but again, for a limited time frame. So typically about six months. Uh, following that publication, one other thing to keep in mind is that state OSHAs must also either amend their standards to match that ETS 
or they must create their own standard that is at least as effective as the ETS, and they must do so within 30 days. So you mentioned once it's published, has it technically been published? Is that what happened on September 9th, or is that still coming? That's still coming. So what happened on the 9th is that the the president directed the agency to create that rule. So um, there is some speculation that the rule may already be uh, being drafted. So it may be, you know, relatively quickly that it does get published, but at this time it has still not been released. Okay. As we go into potentially this ETS being released, what can we expect? Well, uh, there are a lot of open questions, but I think what we can expect primarily is that a lot of those open questions are going to be defined within the language of the ETS itself. So, um, one of them, one of the main questions that people have is, you know, which employers are in scope? When you say it's employers with 100 or more employees, there are a lot of different ways that that can be calculated, as we all in this industry know. So it could be, is that worksite location? Is that um, aggregated based on common ownership? Is it company-wide? We just don't have an answer to that yet. So that's something that we would expect that OSHA will um, address. And I would expect them to use a broad brush here. They're going to want this to cover as many employers as possible. So um, that's something that I would just kind of keep in mind as we look forward as to what might happen next. The next thing is a lot of people are questioning, what does it really mean when you say that we need to ensure vaccination? Because the way that I think about that, and I think a lot of people think about that, is there are there's a, a pretty broad gradation there of what that could mean. Does that mean that I can you know, kind of honor system, get an attestation from my workforce. If they say they were vaccinated, I can say I insured it. Or does it go all the way up to, I need to get that vaccine card and I need to cross-check it against state registries. There's a lot of space in there for OSHA to tell us exactly what they want us to do and how they want us to do it. I also would expect that this rule is going to clarify for us what type of testing will be required, um, what is the necessary cadence for that? Because I believe that the president's directed directive said at least weekly. So, you know, it could potentially be uh, more frequent than that or more frequent than that, depending on certain variables, like if you have any sort of symptom or depending on type of work or, or things of that nature. Um, I think it will tell us who must pay for that testing, whether that time is compensable, um, and so on. So my assumption at this point is that the employer is likely going to be required to pay for the testing and likely going to be required to compensate the employee. That's generally true under FLSA and similar types of circumstances to this. Um, so you know, if an employee is seeking medical direction at the employer's um, determination, that's generally true. Uh, so I, I, again, expect that that will be addressed here. And um, the last, the last kind of thing that I think is an outstanding question and of interest to so many at this time is how does this apply to remote workers? Um, and again, we don't know that for sure. So I think that's something that will be clarified in this rule. Um, but I have uh, heard that DOL officials kind of have verbally indicated that it will not apply to remote workers. And if you kind of think back to you know our conversation about what is an emergency temporary standard and when might this be used, that makes sense because it's um, a bit more tenuous to say that someone that's in a remote situation that doesn't actually have physical contact with their coworkers could really pose a grave danger. So um, I think you know those are, again, still kind of outstanding questions, but the things that I think we can expect to get clarity on in the next couple of weeks. Thank you so much for the update, Corinne. This is definitely a lot of extra work that's potentially going to be on our plates as we think about, you know, collecting that vaccine data and to what level we need to do it. Um, and of course, 
defining what a hundred employees is. We all know that that's complicated. And, um, especially if remote workers are not going to be included in this emergency, um, then, then we'll guess we'll see what that, what the, uh, what the ruling ends up saying. So thanks for your time, Corinne. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Um, I would bet though, that the remote employees are going to be counted, just not effective, but we'll see. Uh, it's, it's all, it's all very interesting. We're all being kept on our toes right now. Right, Sherry? That's for sure. This podcast is brought to you by Paylocity, a leading HCM provider that frees you from the tasks of today. So you can focus more on the promise of tomorrow. If you'd like to submit a topic or appear as a guest on a future episode, email us at pctytalks at paylocity.com.